Does this destroy your car? Do you get like a tax deduction for interior car detailing? Well, it's funny you should ask about tax deductions. This podcast would actually have to make money in order to file for taxes. So not at this point. It's car con carne. Let's eat in the car. It's car con carne. And now here's the star of our show. James Van And we're on 31st this week. I'm James Van Osler here with Martin Atkins. An author, an instructor, a musician, a mogul, a, ah, a label ah, head, a mogul, an all-around good guy. Uh, you picked the place we're eating at this week. Where are we at? Uh, we're on Freddy's uh, on 31st Street. So we're in the Bridgeport neighborhood. Yeah, we're right down by the White Sox. When I think Bridgeport, White Sox, hot dogs, Italian beefs, I think... Uh, British drummer from Public Image Limited, Killing Joke, and <laughs> Invisible Records. Well, we could have done, we could have done uh, Royal Pies, which would be very British. That would be. It's royal and, after and all. And in fact, the last time I think I saw John Langford was like, imagine you're standing in line for a pie on Thirty First Street. Mm-hmm. Actually, a few blocks down, and the the guy you're standing behind is John Langford from the Mekongs. Like, oi! <laughs> um, so the, there are um, an increasing number of choices in the Bridgeport area. So when did you move to Chicago and make it official? Like, th- this is your home? Um, 89. Maybe 90, but I think 89. So that was ministry era? Yeah. Well, I, I didn't... Uh, I didn't move to Chicago to be in ministry, but uh, I'd started my label. We put out four albums at that point. I was living in a loft. Well, it wasn't a loft. It was a disused garage in New Jersey. And um, It sounds glamorous. Uh, it was pretty cool, actually. I had a New Jersey telephone booth as a shower. That's kind of cool. It was really cool. I guess I was trying to recreate, like, the monkey's Pad or something. It sounds kind of Doctor Who too. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool, um, and I I left that there. I wish I yeah I wish I brought it with me, but um, uh, I came to Chicago um, uh, just visiting. I think we played here with Killing Joke a couple of times, and um, this industrial thing was going on. The industrial music thing was going on, and the energy was crazy, and everybody was playing in each other's bands, and I wanted to be part of it, and uh, and then. A promoter who shall remain nameless uh, ripped us off and uh, ripped Killing Joke off for about five grand, $4,500. And um, I'm like, okay, I'll, you know, I'm not used to being ripped off. I'm going to get my money. And um, so I came back to Chicago after a Killing Joke tour and um, holed up in a Days Inn in Greektown, which is now a different hotel completely. Um, and uh, tried to find this guy Um, ended up in the studio with Ministry listening to whatever that album was 89 that would be a mind is a terrible thing mind is a terrible thing yeah and I mean I remember my reaction to that I thought well this the the engineers put the tape on at the wrong speed (laughs) 
<laughs> and um, so, now, and, and just a couple years prior to that, uh, this is what you want. I mean, you were you were working with Leiden again. That was eighty five. Eighty five. Yeah. yeah, that was a big hit. So, but that's that was four years. So, in in my years then, that's a long time. Yeah, fair enough. You know, um, and I actually quit after PIL. I quit for probably a year, um, maybe even longer, until I ended up joining Killing Joke. So there was this period of like, what the? Can I say? Can I swear? The following show may contain language which some people consider objectionable. Yes. Like, you know, what the fuck is up with this music business thing? I just was in this band and we went all over the world and I had a house in L.A. with a swimming pool and palm trees and a number four single all over the world. And it was shit. So, I, 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 And that single, would that be This Is Not A Love Song? This Is Not A Love Song, yeah. Probably, I would argue, one of the worst songs. I mean, I guess it was a good song. Who am I to say, right? <laughs> It just felt we were exploring these different off-time rhythms and textures and different stuff, experimenting in the studio and really trying to... We weren't trying to push the envelope. We were just speeding and experimenting. And to have that song be the hit felt mm -hmm. like... I mean, I think good for us that it was a hit because it kind of fueled the next stage of PIL, I think. Mm -hmm. I agree. You know? So I'm sure you get asked this all the time, but John Lydon, what's the relationship with him? Is it up and down? Is it do you exchange Christmas cards? Uh, it's it's actually wildly up and down, like weirdly wildly up and down. So is that just because he's a mercurial personality, or no, no? I quit his band. Hmm. So you yeah, know you do don't it. you don't do that to a singer in a band, let alone John. Yeah, you know. That was just betrayal, and I see that. I understand it. I tried to be nice and give him, like, four months' warning, you know. Hey, I'm going to be quitting. This is horrible. Um, yeah. yeah, really, if it were Bank of America, you, you only need two weeks' notice. You give him right, four months. But, but we had an Australian tour and a Japanese tour booked, and mm -hmm. I didn't want to I didn't want to mess things up for anybody. And um, uh, so we got along okay for a while, I have a picture of him wearing a pig face shirt, I think, a sheep on drugs, on drugs shirt, you know, with Lemmy. That's you know? amazing. Um, and uh, um, he said some really nice things about me, like uh, the occasional, like, mojo retrospective, you know. Um, Martin's a fantastic drummer. He really blah, 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 blah. However, I'll never work with him again, you know. It's like, oh, okay. I read that at an airport in Norway. <laughs> and, uh, you know... Um, so actually he just turned 60 and um, uh, I, I emailed his manager and I said hey would you tell John you know the Atkins family said happy birthday happy 60th birthday because he's met two of my boys mm -hmm. uh, when the Sex Pistols were here they were pulling his ears um, and it's like who is this lunatic picture it's a great picture and um and his manager emailed me back, like, well, as you, you know, you may not know this, but John doesn't celebrate birthdays or Christmas and blah, blah, blah. And I kind of wrote back. I got pulled into being snotty. And I'm like, well, you but actually, in 1979, I remember when, you know, and when we were in 83 in Sydney Harbour, Australia, at Christmas when Virgin Records baked us a cake, John kicked it into Sydney Harbour. You know? So actually, I, I do know. 
even having said that, he's fucking 60, you know, I would, I'm, you know, would you wish him a happy birthday? You know, and he's like, yeah, uh, fair enough, I, yeah. And then I thought that was the end of it, and he emailed me back later in the day, said, hey, John says hi. Which, you know, felt strange. I can't, I got mad at him for a little bit, because um, when my dad was dying, I thought, you know, a card from John or a phone call would have, you know, would have been really awesome for my dad. And uh, couldn't get a hold of him. But that wasn't John's fault. And that was just me being whatever. But so, yeah, I quit his band. There, there are many facets to you, Martin Atkins. There's the Public Image Limited history, the Killing Joke history. You mentioned Pigface. At this point, so many people have performed under the Pigface banner. I think two of the people at Freddy's behind the counter actually were members of Pigface. Yeah, that's, there is a bit of that. I think one played wind chimes. <laughs> we had a, with I, Lydia lunch. It was kind of weird. Did I? Did I? Have I ever told you about the guy with the shopping cart? No. There was a guy. Well, I mean, we started to attract. I mean, not just within the band, but we started to get a reputation for like anything goes, you know, uh-huh. and. Uh, I was confronted by a uh, curse Mackey from the Evil Mothers. We were performing in a space adjacent to their rehearsal space. And he said, "Hey, you know, people have said anything goes in Pigface." I'm like, "Yeah, it does." It's like, "Yeah, well, it's a lie." I'm like, okay. So, like, well, my band's got like five oil drums. I'm like, "Well, get them on stage." <laughs> so that, that was pretty cool. So this this stuff goes on, and sometimes it would be like, "Hello, I'm a belly dancer." Can I light a candle, put it on my head, put a ca- lit candle in each of my hands and belly dance to one of your songs? It's like, oh, okay, you know, and that was amazing. Yes, and the answer to that is always yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. And, Even if uh, you're not in pig face. Right. Yeah. And, um, but then there's this guy in, in North Carolina. He's like, I have wired guitar pickups all over a shopping cart. Can I perform? I'm like, you fuck, yes, of course you can perform. What you does know? that even sound like? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> for the rest of the day, there was like a, a, a frisson. Is that is that what it would be? I don't know. A frisson, which I think means a ripple of excitement. Okay. Uh, a frisson. Of, it, might have, it might be something to do with an omelette, but let's pretend. It, it sounds very European, and I'm yeah. very impressed. There was a, a frisson of excitement, and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, how's it going? Yeah, yeah, there's a guy with a shopping cart. Oh, my God. I can't wait. Did you hear this? There's a guy with a shopping cart. Oh, and the sound guy's ready. He's got the channel, and and this guy comes on stage, and it's just somebody clanging on a shopping cart like like outside Walmart you know like and it's like I was expecting like well it's a miracle it looks like a shopping cart but it sounds like a harp no it was just bang 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 I nearly pissed my pants yeah Yeah, you were probably expecting some bold new instrumental statement something I was expecting something surprising one of my one of my other favorite moments. This is the twenty fifth anniversary of Pigface, by the way. Which is year. no small thing. Oh, we're 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 ready. We're just ready to announce an installation at twenty one twelve from March 29th for six weeks of all of the scenery. Wow! And twenty one twelve, uh, for those who don't know, is a music industry incubator on the northwest side of Chicago. 
I, you you are you, you have office space there. Yep. Uh, I've been there a bunch of times. It's it's a stunning space. It is to the world of music and tech what Pigface is the is to the world of music and shopping carts. It just creates these collisions, you know. So one of my other favorite moments we we've had four or five people get married on stage with Pigface, and um, uh, one couple in Atlanta. For some reason, I threw in the rear lounge of our bus to consummate their marriage. Wow. Uh, while we were still on stage. So they got married during the first song. And I'm like, okay, here's the keys to the bus. Go on. Forgetting that a Norwegian band called Zero Mansa were uh-huh. on tour with us, sharing the bus. Oh, my God. So we're halfway through the set, and one of the guys from Zero Mansa comes up to the drum kit and taps me on the shot just in the middle of a song as you do they will not stop fucking in their bus they, and they will not close the door I'm like well okay you know uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's the you know the happy young couple yeah it was pretty wild they love grand it was pretty wild <laughs> then um, we had a couple from Chicago uh, get married at the metro with us and you know, we charge, we'd eBay the opportunity, but always we'd end up losing money on the deal. Because <laughs> once someone's getting married at your gig, you're part, you're part of the thing. Yeah. So if the the wedding party wants another case of beer or more wine coolers, as they did in Atlanta, or the groom's forgotten the cake, you know, we send out a runner with $400 to get yep. a wedding cake, you know, and next thing you know, we've lost money, but everybody's had a good time. So, um, uh, so this was um, an interracial couple that couldn't receive a blessing in in either uh, um, from either community to get married. So they s- sought refuge, <laughs> crazily sought refuge on stage with Big Face. And um, you know, when the church fails, you go to Big Face. <laughs> exactly. And so, part of the ceremony, there was this big tray of red rose petals to be kind of uh, thrown in the air as the bride walked onto the stage. Well, you know, the metro, it's like two or three flights of stairs yeah. from the dressing room to the stage. So we get up there, and we start the song. And uh, we've forgotten the petals. They're in the dressing room. So I say to Jim, my drum tech, who probably still hates me to the day, I'm like, Jim, 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 the petals... We got we got the petals and I'm drumming so I can't you know I'm not enunciating it's not the time to right right you know, here's a list of the things we forgot well and if you're drumming I'm thinking drum petals not rose petals right well he wasn't thinking that he goes over to the guitar rig oh no and and Christoph from Bile is playing some chugging some riff with like five pedals and Jim starts unplugging the, pe- the no. pedals no and uh, <laughs> and uh, and Christoph is like what the hell got a fantastic tone it's pig face chicago metro saturday night so and jim's like clicking pulling batteries out and christoph starts <laughs> kicking him in the face you know like he's been it destroyed his guitar sound that's amazing and i'm like no 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 so um the worst look i think i've ever seen uh, uh, the least wedding ceremony like look when jim eventually comes back upstairs with the <laughs> rose petals and begrudgingly throws out a few handfuls of rose petals. It's just like of Father of the Doom. Bride with Steve Martin. Yeah, it, 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 is, that's what we... Yeah. <laughs> like the Martin Short character. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm on a kind of... Um, 
I'm on this kind of pig face jag at the moment. It's been a long, I think it's 10 years since we played. Definitely eight. And Wait, seriously, it's been that long? Yeah, it's been a long See, time. See, in my head, I always have pig face as this, just this viable construct that's floating out there, but that's a long time. It is a long time. And, I mean, we did the damage manual mm-hmm. in between. Well, not in between, after, kind of. and um, Which I love, by the way. Thank you. I, I like that, too. And um, I, we did a lot. And and um, and then I wrote Tour Smart. And while I was on tour, and I was still touring when I was teaching, because my first class at Columbia came to the Metro, maybe to the Rose Petal show, even. And um, so... Um, but then the book took off, and then and then I'm just like flying all over the place speaking, and and now here I am doing. Hey, you've been distracted, being very distracted, yeah, in a in a decent way. Well, let's talk more about Pigface. Let's talk about Tour Smart. Let's talk about your writing. So much to get to. I feel guilty that we've got two gigantic Italian beef sitting on my dashboard, which. I have two thoughts about this. One, that bag is really heavy. It's like there's a dwarf star in that paper bag. Yeah. That's how much beef we're about to consume. Two, it is a fool's errand. We are about to both dive into Italian beef sandwiches in a car, in a cramped car with microphones in front of us. I feel like this won't end well, but we don't know unless we try. Well, I think think this is just a mistake. I mean, and I was looking to you for guidance. I said a beef sandwich was adventurous. Yeah, but you didn't say, no, do not do the beef sandwich. I'm not going to tell Martin Atkins not to eat a beef sandwich. Okay. Who am I to do that? Come on. So, oh, oh my God. Oh, Dear Lord. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> See? A little, little real life hitting you there. Wow. All right, I'm going to open the bag. We both basically got the same thing. You got hot peppers. I, I went with sweet because I am sweet. But that's it, But it's radio, so. Well, it's kind of radio. We're talking in the front seat of my car. What a great idea, by the way. Oh, thank you. All right, here we go. I think this, oh, you're hot. Hot. You're the hey, hot one. I think that's, is that my sandwich or is it just a, it's just a comment? Oh, well, they smell good. This is really heavy. It, I'm telling you, it's a, it's a dwarf star. It's like a cement football. It is, actually. My God. And you got your napkins, right? Because yeah, I've got napkins all over the place here. So let the record show. Martin didn't want to have anything to drink, to which I just said, "Do you sustain yourself on well, au I'm jus?" Just, I'm just not thirsty. I'm just not thirsty. This is massive, dude. This is, and it's greasy. This is, this is all kinds of wrong. God forbid, God forbid, we get a pizza slice. Nope, gotta get the beef. Yeah, that would have been a really good idea, actually, for your listeners. The pizza at Freddy's. Is interesting. It's very different. It has a rubberiness to it, not in a bad way, in kind of a good way. Hmm. You know, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not slagging on. But we're about to get an antique taco. Have you had an antique taco? I have not. Not me either, but I'm excited that we're getting one in the neighborhood. Okay, I got um, provolone on this. Holy crap, this is really good. Good. Well, see, I'm still trying to unwrap mine. <laughs> And, it, you know, the sandwiches, as any good beef sandwich should be, they're dipped, so they're totally wet. Oh, yeah, and this, the, yeah, see, that, no, that's just, it's insane, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Wow. That's crazy. Oh, mercy. Good job I got my suit on. Yeah, you look, you look way too nice to be doing this. Well, I should have put, a, I should have put a, a painter's overalls on. So, in answer to your earlier question, does this destroy my car? 
Uh, maybe a little. I don't even know how I can pick this up. Oh, there we go. I've got an idea here. Yeah, I'm kind of holding it using the foil. I'm going into kind of a hero configuration. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you got to have strategy. Yeah. And I'm undoing my jaw like a snake in order to take <laughs> this. In- <laughs> I'm going to nibble. I'm nibbling the outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> wow. So, uh, let the record show, I haven't even taken... It hasn't even gotten near my face yet. See, my strategy when I do these things is I try to eat quickly so that I can keep the conversation going. Oh, okay. So, I'm yeah, choking this a, down like a like a stone college student that's at kind 2 in the morning. Of, um, that is a kind of a dangerous radio mo- strategy there, isn't it? It is. God, when I did a lot of stuff on WGN, I could never eat when I was on the air because there was never, there was never downtime. Wasn't that like... So what would the snack of choice be like? Um, uh, I, I really wouldn't snack while I was on the air. A mini Twix. I, I do like Twix. It's a it's a cookie sandwich. Yeah. yeah. But you know, doing music radio, oh my God. You could, you could have a five-course meal in the studio. Mm-hmm. And really be done before you have to talk uh, talk again. I used to book gigs from the, uh, you know, the trucker's lounge where they have phones at the tables. This is before they had cell phones. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a good sandwich. This is a great sandwich. And this place is totally affordable. I mean, this is this is a cheap beef hot dog and pizza stand on 31st. Uh, they had a... I think they had a fire a couple of years ago. And completely renovated. So I'm not sure. You know, it made me feel a bit suspicious about the fire. Well, one of the, <laughs> one of the first... <laughs> One of the first things I saw, I said when I saw you here, this place does a hell of a business. Uh-huh. A steady stream of people. Coppers. Yeah. There's, they've got the horse in front. Yeah. With, with the, all the police stuff on it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but this is just, this is one of those neighborhood places. But the, um, you've got some good coffee shops down here now. Uh, Jackalope is, um, like 32nd off a little side street. Um, so you can't get to it directly from Halstead. Mm-hmm. That's really great. Bridgeport Coffee on 31st and Morgan. There's, like, stuff going on. Do you watch baseball? I mean, do you like baseball? Do you, what, do you follow the Sox? Uh, as a young boy, I used to... <coughs> Hot pepper. Hot peppers. <laughs> um, I used to listen to baseball before I knew what it was, you know, over in England. Oh, really? They'd have broadcasts? Well, on the world, on my world radio, I could get it. Um, and I'm not, I, I mean, yeah, I like to, I really like to walk over to the White Sox maybe twice a year and walk back, you know? Yeah, because it seems like if you live in Bridgeport, the same thing with Wrigleyville. You have to have at least a passing interest yeah. in what goes on at the ballpark. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a neighborhood thing. Mm-hmm. All right, this is seriously delicious. And I'm unapologetically going to finish this whole thing. Well, all right. I gave one of my kids <coughs> driving lessons in the White Sox car park. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, not during a game day or anything. And they send this guy over. You know, hey, hey, you know, what's happening? I'm like, well, just, just giving my kids some lessons, you know. Oh really? Well, do you have 
Are you involved? Do you have a season ticket? I'm like, no, I don't have a season ticket. And, you know, and for the last 10 years, we've been suffering crazy lunatics parking all over our neighborhood, you know. Not bad. At least you can do is return the favor. It doesn't work like that, though, does it? Uh-oh. That was... The, the beef is very sweet. And that, uh, that, that au jus, the, the wet, oh, man. Yeah, it's good. All right, so we talked briefly about Tour Smart. Yeah. It's a book you wrote, which really has become this indispensable resource for touring musicians. How to, how to navigate through the music industry. Thank you. What was, and I'm sure you've answered this for me before, but you've never answered, answered it for me over Italian beef in my car. <laughs> what, was, what was it that drove you to write that? Was it your own frustration with the business or a benevolent need to, to help colleagues? And Well, that, and, and there, were, there were points where a couple of people said, well, do you want to put that in there? You know? Uh, and I had to sit and think and go, well, because it's kind of normal to go, hey, be careful with all the secrets you're giving away. You're giving away your edge. And 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 I sat and thought about it. I'm like, no, fuck it. But I started to, um, I was writing a PIL memoir. So I was in book frame of mind. Yep. And, um, and then we had a three bus, five band tour going on. And I thought, look, we've got all these people working at the label. I need some help. And I'd heard about this idea of interns. So I went to Columbia College, which is just up the street. And I went in and did a presentation for a couple of the faculty. And uh, I'm like, so there you go. Uh, and they're like, fantastic. When can you start? And I actually said, I can, I can put some interns in my car now. In my go, car? Go back to the label. And they're like, no. When <laughs> could you start teaching this stuff? I'm like, what are you? What are you talking about? And um, like, well, you obviously know what you're doing. You should teach this. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, when? And they're like, Saturday afternoon. Perfect. You know, three days to prepare. And I was just like, yeah. And so, uh, and I thought that was an interesting opportunity. But and I'll tell my students. Turns out that that wasn't the opportunity. I go into the first class, and somebody gives me the textbook, which was. Theater touring, written in 1962. <laughs> I'm like, well, we can't use this. And I couldn't find anything. So I started to write material um, that became Tosmart and do lessons and research. And, you know, honestly, teaching, I'm at SAE now. I'm the music business department chair and um, the national chair of the curriculum committee for music business. So we have these meetings now and and I get to continue to put my 10 cents in to try and help and influence these programs and give people information. So um, just kind of a, a, one of those interesting points in life where I didn't intend to teach or to write a book. Well, I did intend to write a PIL book. Right. Which I'm now almost getting ready to do. Are your memories still that strong from those days? Oh, my God, yeah. Um, and I ask that because we see memoirs from musicians year after year, and you wonder, how on earth is that person really recollecting that? How much... I brought up the Keith Richards book uh, a couple shows ago. There's, I mean, 
the lucidity with which Keith Richards recalls his history with the Stones seems completely implausible. Well, but, I mean, yeah, I agree. But there are also, uh, you know, there are vignettes Mm -hmm. etched in glass that won't be lost on a hard drive or whatever. Like when you pick up a photograph from 150 years ago, as clear as that, Mm -hmm. like Olympic Auditorium, Los Angeles, 10,000 punks, riot police on horseback, helicopters. And I see on the third balcony, I think, somebody's turned on the fire hose. (laughs) And it's coming down the stairs (laughs) with such force it's actually white water. That's what attra- that's how I saw it, this white water coming down the stairs. <laughs> and my eyes follow it down over the balcony to the floor below, same thing, and straight off the last balcony, and then my eyes see our sound guy mixing underneath a tarp. Oh, my God. And just stuff, you know. <laughs> there are these just moments. The bar at the Gramercy Park Hotel, the Lennox Hotel in Boston... WBCN radio with Oedipus and Carter Allen, who were the like the midnight to four AM guys who both became huge radio Yeah, those guys were huge yeah. modern rock radio guys. Yeah. Well we were at Oedipus's house with his parrot. You know, just just moments. Um the W Hotel here on Lakeshore used to be a holiday inn, I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know. Um we played um the uh Almost in Evanston, the, the, a theatre up there. I forgot. It's a shopping centre now, uh, the Granada Theatre. But my memory is also prompted by lots of photographs that I took, press clippings, postcards home that I sent to my mum and dad that they sent back to me, um, pieces of clothing that I wore, uh, which I still have. I still have the shirt I wore on American Bandstand. I have my cancelled check stub from Dick Clark, the sign from the dressing room door. That's amazing. That was you an know. infamous performance. Yeah. So, so, but, but I also, here's where I'm at. I'm really pleased I didn't get to write my pill memories, whatever it's going to be called, in in, in 2003. Because I've changed in the last 10, 15 years. And I have this understanding of um, just because somebody remembers something a different way than I do, doesn't mean it's a different it's incorrect. That's their memory. And so it's actually really interesting to me to to find a couple of sequences where myself, John, uh, Keith Levine, Joe Wobble, or, or, or Pete Jones, the bass player uh, who replaced Wobble, um, kind of run these moments and, and see how those memories connect. I've never asked you about Joe Wobble before. Oh, okay. Why not? I, I don't know. I just never have. You've certainly never asked me in your car. True enough. Over Italian beef and French fries. Um, my impression of him, just as a music listener, is that he's pretty freaking amazing. Uh-huh. What's the Martin Atkins perspective? How do you mean what, amazing? I, I'm super talented and innovative. and I mean, even that, that uh, solo album he did in the mid-90s, The Invaders from the Heart, I thought was fantastic. Yeah. Well, he's a ridiculously funny guy. I mean, ridiculously funny. He, there's a little bit of a dark side to Wobble sometimes. Um, but, you know, I would take that 
over a calm, shitty bass player any day. <laughs> and, and that's part, you know, I didn't know that then. You know, we all grow up and change and you get to like look back and realise what was really important and, and uh, spectacular and what was just bullshit. And uh, I like playing with Wobble a lot, you know. He's uh, he's one of my only musical uh, friends from that time who called me when my dad died. So, all right, Tour Smart, you wrote that. Uh-huh. Your experiences, your, your recollections, your advice. We were talking as we were waiting at Friday's tonight about how things change so rapidly, whether it's technology... Mm-hmm. In social media, you you mentioned um, last year around this time at South by Southwest, everyone was talking about Meerkat. One week later, it became the conversation steered into Periscope. That's how quickly things change. As someone who has written a book about the music industry and is ready to really fully launch another book about it, what's the danger of that content becoming dated or less valid? Well... Huge. I think Tour Smart um, mentions MySpace a couple of times. Sure. And how could it not at the time? Right. But it didn't have a how-to MySpace. <laughs> you know, it was like, it was just early enough that MySpace was, wasn't, I don't know, it just didn't feel like it needed a chapter about MySpace. And I think it helps that it doesn't have that. Yeah. So, but as things have accelerated... And I just did a thing at 2112 last night, social media mindset, and I talked about uh, Ripple, R-I-P-L, Crowdfire, uh, Follower Wonk, Social Bro, Instagram, just stuff that weren't even on my radar, uh, some of them, a week ago. Social Bro is a measurement? Yeah, you you can find out where your fans are on Twitter. I can do a Twitter audit in eight seconds and find out how many real Twitter followers somebody has. All this stuff. But... Actually, so that's a gift because um, you start to move away from the how to use Twitter chapter and move, hopefully move towards how to use social media, Mm -hmm. how to be a person, how to find yourself, try and find things that that are not just... um, not just immune from the changes that might befall Twitter right. or MySpace or whatever, but are, are more deep and meaningful in content anyway. And so, so I think that was a gift. I spent maybe two years longer than I should have on Band Smart, um, but some of that just doesn't matter. Um, you know, one of my favorite quotes about social media is Dale Carnegie: "You will make more friends in two months." being interested in other people than you will make in two years trying to get other people interested in you. That's 1942. So there are... That's a great quote. Oh, I fuck it. My dad gave me that quote. And so there are... There, there is information out there that is hugely relevant even though it's <laughs> really old. So uh, I'm sure there will be parts of the book that are just like hilariously ridiculous. You know? <laughs> Um, and that's why Tidal is the be-all and end-all, and now they're being sued, and it's all, you know, it's just like, oh, okay. But but the more you study stuff like this, you look at, at, at social media, 
Friendster was before MySpace, and yeah. MySpace was the shit. And then Facebook. So, I mean, Facebook are doing a really good job of, of spending their money and buying up all of the would-be competitors and incorporating them. But, you know, you got to be careful. And, and um, so I, I think the book has benefited from that pressure, if you like. And you've taken almost a pig face approach to both your books uh, in that it's a collective of people. Everyone has their their kind of role to play. And you, you welcomed a lot of people to contribute. I mean, I contributed to Bandsmart. Yep. Well, why would you not? I mean, I'd have to be some kind of an asshole if it was like, hey, Marty Atkins music business. <laughs> You know, I think you have a breadth breadth of voices and opinions from across. Yeah, I've got people disagreeing with me on the same page. Yeah, you know, because like, okay, there's a lot of different opinions, and what might be right for one person is totally incorrect for another. And um, um, I think there's there's 300 contributors to Bandsmart. Some great stuff, just great stuff in there, and that same kind of graphic heavy. Uh, layout. The la- the layout of Tour Smart is so great. I I'm, I've seen um, a rough of Band Smart. I mean, mm-hmm. it's certainly along those lines. I should, as a total side note, say as we're sitting out here at Freddy's, cute girls go to Freddy's. Just made that note. Where? where? She just uh, got something to go. A girl in the car in front of us. Oh, thanks for the heads up. I'm sitting well, with my were, face in my sandwich. One day you were talking about so you're talking about your book. I didn't want to you know derail you. Well, I'm, I'm trying to you know. Thanks for half of your attention, James. <laughs> I, I'm, I, I take a, a big picture look at everything. It's a 30,000-foot view, if I can go corporate on you. Yeah, okay. I'm taking but, the 30,000-footer. <laughs> uh, so, Eric, what's the, what's the official plan for the rollout of Bansmart? Well, um, we pre-released the mistake-ridden copy in December of last year. So we did a special thing with uh, CD Baby has something called Book Baby. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I like the guys at CD Baby, so we worked out a deal to put uh, Bandsmart on Book Baby for nine ninety nine, and there's a Google Doc that you can um, uh, find the mistakes and submit mistakes to win a T-shirt. <laughs> this is like the Marvel Comics No Prize. Back in the day, when you read Marvel Comics in like the seventies, maybe even the eighties as well, if you spotted a continuity error or something that didn't make sense or someone's costume was colored wrong and you wrote a letter to that comic book, Marvel Comics would send you an envelope that was called a no prize. Basically, yeah, thanks for catching us on that. Here's nothing for your trouble. And I, <laughs> yeah, I love the concept. Yeah. It was very Stanley. Um, so you're basically issuing no prizes in the form of T-shirts. Yeah. And, and also, you know, I think it comes from um, the idea of saying, hey, this isn't fully correct. There's some silly mistakes in here. And even if we set out on a one-month mission to pin our eyes back with a case of Red Bull a day to find every single mistake, you'd still you'd still open page three. Oh, my God. That is I the misspelt truth. my own name. You, there's, no, there's no solution for it. So in a very kind of undertones with the Teenage Kicks uh, seven-inch cover, the undertones are shit, which kind of removes the power of any... Um, any critics saying mm-hmm. the undertones are shit. We said, hey, here's the mistake-ridden copy. Find find the mistakes. And and, and um, uh, Courtney in, in Baltimore went through the whole book. I mean, she's still only getting a shirt. 
maybe I'll buy a dinner or something. But um, uh, and actually, one of my students said, "Oh, okay, I get it. You've inserted mistakes." So you can have this competition. That's it. And I'm That's like, it. yeah, yeah. If you <laughs> really, if you want to believe that, that I, you know, I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what happened. We've that's inserted right. the book would otherwise be error free. I just yeah. thought it'd have some fun. Yeah, yeah. And there's there's um um there's two pieces that I've asked to be written that are being inserted, and I've forgotten what one of them is. Oh dear, I forgot what one of them is, but it's awesome. Well, let's talk about some of the pieces that are in the book. What stands out to you, whether it's a specific person you got to write something or the message? Like, What are things that you think will really turn people's heads when they read it? Well, so hmm, Wendy Day, who did the cash money deal, the largest record deal ever, really kind of puts pen to paper and thinks about indies versus majors and what that means. Um uh, Julie Niehoff from Constant Contact has great stuff in there. Constant um, Contact is in email marketing? Yeah, email marketing tool. But there's great MailChimp tricks and tips. Um, but the but the Constant Contact stuff is not, isn't touch button B on Constant Contact. It's timeless marketing stuff. Um, uh, lots of funny stuff. Um, Jason Arnop, who writes for Doctor Who, wrote a piece. He has a book out about interviewing people. And so he, he wrote a piece for me. Um, there's some quotes from Bob Lefsitz in there that he'd let me use. Wow. Seth Godin let me use a quote. Um, th- I mean, honestly, uh, there's some pages where there's 10 people throwing down quotes, you know, and, and that's just like, here, here it all is, you know. Do you have, you, you were talking about when you were writing your pill um, memoirs, you were, you were in that mode, you were kind of in that, that grind, and then Tour Smart kind of was the right thing at the right time. Were you already in kind of a writing, like, discipline in, in, in such a way that you were devoting X amount of hours each day, you were forcing yourself to write to get toward a book, or was it just kind of catch as catch can? It was, it was the latter. I mean, I, I, um, uh, I tried, to, I'm more of like a, Okay, I'm just going to write for the next two days, kind of, because there's so much other stuff going on. Um, I, I'd like to be the two hours a day writer, um, but I just I, I I don't get to do that. I, I mean, I've got four kids, so it's you know anything could be. I mean, I could schedule that time out, but it just doesn't feels like it works for me. It, it's hard. Um, I mean, I, I love to write, and I. I Oh, took a fiction writing course years ago. You have a, well, I have your book, don't I? I have your I book. I think you do, yeah. Yeah, good book. Um, thank you. Uh, one of the things the instructor said, which, by the way, I can't write fiction to save my soul. No, not a prayer. Um, I respect greatly people who can. He said, if you want to be a writer, find a way to do it every day, even if it's five minutes, mm-hmm. just sitting down, putting something to paper. It's not so much that you'll come up with great stuff. It's just getting in that discipline. It worked for me. Right. And I get it's not a one-size-fits-all solution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, I, w- when I got in that groove and I was working on that book you mentioned, it was really helpful to, okay, this is my time. I've got to do it. But then again, I didn't have four kids. I wasn't right. at Atkins-level amount of activity. I, I think that I took more of um, a recording studio artist approach where, you know, um, if you have an hour to go into a studio, it's useless. 
because you just finished turning off your phone. Uh-huh. Oh, there's no cream for the coffee. Oh, now, whew, light now the be incense. creative. Yeah, yeah, light the incense. Well, we're out of time. Uh-huh. You know, it, it, it's a funnel, and so in a 16-hour session in the studio, the last four hours are more productive than the first 12. Everything becomes accelerated. So I think for me, I was always looking for that accelerated space. Interesting. You know, and this is uh, why Keith Richards never slept. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why. He's <laughs> in the tunnel. But also, because of the layout and uh, the number of contributions and the clearances, I'm all, I was also a project manager, which is a bad idea. And we're crowdfunding the whole thing. So, you know, that was just... You know, to, to If I can sit and write my pill book, I would love to have the time to, to sit and think about that. Mm-hmm. You know... Yeah, you bring up a good point. This book is, it's a lot of different roles, above and beyond yeah. writer. Yeah. It's so much to manage there. Right. Um, but I, I'm I'm happy that it's nearly done. I mean, it feels done to me, except for, like, you know, spot the mistakes and um, send it off to the printer. Do you think after this, and it's hard to even speculate, do you think after this book, another music business type book well you may not have that answer right now but something will present itself the way tour smart did like there'll be a third like a trilogy this is like your lord of the rings maybe return of the king is on the way well it does um it is my third book because welcome to the music business you're fucked Uh, forgiving yeah which is easy to forget because it we put that together in three 18-hour days with an illustration. We had a bunch of illustrations, and I had the, the map of it. But in terms of the layout, once again, I'm tearing up pieces of cardboard. And um, uh, Eric from Detroit, who's no longer with us, we worked in this triangle. I'm, I'm giving ideas to the illustrator who's sketching things out, getting approval, and then inking them in. Me and Eric are, like, tearing up pieces of card and scanning them and coming up with ideas and... Um, See, I was thinking of the smart line of books. Okay, yeah. Well, so will there be a something else smart? Gardening smart. <laughs> I would read that. Retirement smart. You know, I got I got a discount at Walgreens today. So it's like... The, no, you every, did not. Yeah, I did. The Tuesday... The, uh, every Tuesday of the month is like senior discount month. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah, I, okay, I know you have gray hair. I know you played with Public Image back at the end of the 70s. Yeah. But I, okay, I I'm guess. I'm between the speed limit and Heinz. My mind is blown. You don't act like it. Uh-huh. And I, I don't mean that in an insulting way. You don't act like someone of your age. Right. Well, I mean, uh, uh, American Bandstand was 79, 80. It was 1980. I mean, that's yeah. it's 45 years ago. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. No, is it? Or is it 35? I'm not good at math. <laughs> There's a calculator no, on my it's, phone it's, if we really want to... It's wanted... 35 years ago. That's right. You know? And I mean, I was young when I was in pill, but still. Mm-hmm. Wow. Still. Yeah. All right, so Pigface 25th anniversary. Yeah. What's planned for the rest of the year? And I feel bad that you still have a, a, a chunk of beef in your uh, hand. Oh. Uh, um, uh... I'm not sure. I didn't have anything planned eight weeks ago. And now we have this um, installation at 2112. I just heard today that the campus in Los Angeles, the SAE campus, 
want I mean it's a huge beautiful campus um, they want the exhibition oh fine so and it, it's cool my uh, one of my Sandy Powell suits is going with the display uh, she made me a punk suit in 1978 wow and she has like four Oscars now um, uh, so I think Curse Mackey's going to come up we both spin so maybe we'll go and spin somewhere maybe I'll call the exit somewhere ridiculous you don't think you're going to do a show I think we might do a show at the end of the year I'm not I'm not sure um, it, it would seem only appropriate well the problem is it's not like hey you know jump on the brown line we're going to do a gig it's like hey how much are the flights from Scotland yeah you know I mean it's like $15,000 to get everybody together to have a cup of tea <laughs> at which point we might as well do a show but it's it's not it's not a, a, a small undertaking can't you get like a Henry Rollins to come on over from the west coast or I have a postcard from Henry I get along really good with Henry um he sent me this postcard, which I know I have somewhere. It says, unfortunately, I will not be able to participate in the new Pigface album. <laughs> which, I mean, that's from like 92. Yeah, 92. And that was uh, low self-opinion era Rollins. He was, mm-hmm. you know, Lollapalooza. He was, yeah. he was a titan around yeah. that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wow. All right, Martin Atkins, you know I adore you. I, I'm so glad we got to eat beef sandwiches in my car. It's long overdue. Thank you for... Uh, Thanks for having me. This was really nice to uh, to sit and chat and rediscover Freddy's. All right. So if people want to dive deeper into the, the world of Martin Atkins, where's a good place to start other than your uh, your social media accounts? Uh, you can... Well, you can go... Um, oh, just in general? Listen to a Damage Manual album called Limited Edition. I love the cover that I made, and I love that album. Um there's some something you might not be aware of called the Opium Jukebox. That was my project for four albums. It's cover songs with sitars and loops. That's amazing. Um, the first one I, I was, it was my album. The last two, a tribute to the Rolling Stones called Sticky Bangra, and a tribute to Black Sabbath called Bangra Bloody Bangra. <laughs> uh, I just supervised. Um, so there's, there's some interesting stuff. Uh, I don't know if you've heard my Christmas album. No. The Martin Atkins and the Chicago Industrial League Christmas album. I can't believe I made a Christmas album. My son Ian is crying on that album. Uh, he was in my arms. He'd just been born a few months before. That's amazing. And uh, he's turning 21. Um, uh, so you could go to the tstouring.com there you go. Uh, and get a free download of Welcome to the Music Business, You're uh, Fucked. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, M A R T E E E E, four E's just like the old days, N. Um, and I'm always doing stuff in town. I'm going to be speaking at Lake Effects. I'm going to do something with SimCon. Um, yeah, I mean, you're so busy that I'm actually shocked we have the time to do this tonight, so thank you. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pleased that you asked me, and I'm happy to do it. <laughs>